Thank you, Pastor Graham. You're so kind. All those kind words. <laughs> um, good morning. I'm Katie Griffin, like I said, Director of Children's and Families Ministry here at Highlands Church, and I'm very excited to be with every one of you this morning. Um, those of you um, uh, who joined us yesterday at Lovely will be repeating the same thing, but I know God has something awesome for you again today because His Word never goes null. So it's going to be something new for you. And those of you who um, were not here with us yesterday, it's going to be great. You're going to love it. And and for you men, you'll get something. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Okay. And uh, <laughs> I just want to say, I was when uh, just a little story about speaking here today is Pastor Graham of probably a couple of weeks ago. When we were um, in one of our meetings together, he said, you know, I got to go down and um, work on my doctrine at Fuller Seminary for about two and a half weeks. And um, when I come back, I'm not going to get home till Saturday night. And I just don't know how I'm going to be doing it, how I can make a, you know, get a sermon before Sunday morning. He's so exhausted. And I looked at him and I'm like, don't worry about it. I'll do it for you. It's okay. I'll go ahead and I'll do it for you. How many of you guys have ever been talking to your bosses and you realize you said something and you're like, did I just say that? Was that me? I said, I thought it was somebody else in the room. <laughs> and then Graham looked at me. He's so kind. He looked at me. He said, oh, well, thank you, Katie. I'll, I'll think about it. I'll let you know. And so um, uh, off we went to our Hume Lake trip. And can I just add a little side note to our Hume Lake trip? If you saw the broom hockey there, if anybody knows anything about Hume Lake, this is like their covenant thing, their broom hockey. And um, our Highlands team, there's 13 churches out there, and our Highlands team, both the boys and girls made it to the finals. And then, I know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and then our girls won the cup. <laughs> so our girls took him down. And so it was just, it was an awesome, oh, I can't even say enough about Hume. And you'll hear more about that today. But um, so anyway, so he calls me and he says, okay, Katie, so um, you're on. And I'm like, okay, great. All right. So we're doing it. So here I am this morning um, to share with you uh, what God has been putting on my heart for the past couple of weeks. And um, I hope you really enjoy it. So uh, first place we're going to start this morning is Matthew chapter 16, verses, verse 13. So if you'd like, you can open up in your Bibles with me right now. And if you don't have a Bible, I want to let you know that we do have Bibles for you. So we can see one of our ushers and they can make sure you get a Bible today. So before we start there, I'll give you a little while to go there. Before I begin with the passage, I want to ask you a question. Who does God say you are? You see, in order to answer that question, you must know and understand the love that God has for each of you. Once you understand what God's love for you looks like, then you're going to be free to live the life that he has created for each of you, and that, he, that you are reflected in the image of Christ, and you're going to be able to love others as he has called us all to do. So we'll turn here now to chapter 16. Verse uh, 13 in Matthew, and see what he has to say. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah maybe, one of the prophets. And this is cool. He looks at Simon Peter, and he says, but what about you? Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are Christ. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. 
And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. You see, when Peter understood who Christ was, he was then able to understand who he was in Christ, who God says he is. Christ said to him, Peter, you are no longer Simon Peter, this little frail weed blowing in the wind. You are now Peter, upon which I will, you are the rock upon which I will build my church. So when Peter got a clear revelation of who Christ was, he was able to see clearly who God tells him who he was, even to the point, and I love this, of giving him an entire new name. I love that about Jesus. Here he not only tells Peter, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. This was not revealed to you, but came from my father in heaven. I'm going to even change your name because I don't want you to doubt your identity of who I tell you you are. And so that you know, Peter, my love for you and who you are in Christ. Now we must understand that, the love that God has for us, and that we are lovely from yesterday, (laughs) and we are valuable in his eyes. Now why do so many of us struggle with that view, that we're lovely and we're valuable and we have worth? I think we need to grasp I like this picture here. We need to grasp, and I want to let you know what that word, word grasp means, and you're going to hear me say it more than once today. In the, if you look it up in the dictionary, it says to seize and hold firmly. When we grasp, seize, hold firmly to how much he loves us, then we can be free to fulfill the journey he has for each and every one of you. I think the world begins to come in and tell us how not worthy we are and how we don't measure up to the world's standards. And we didn't, what we need to do is we need to measure our worth by who God says we are. God knew Simon Peter doubted his worth so much that he went as far to say, Simon, you are no longer Simon Peter, you are Peter. You are the rock upon which I will build my church. If you follow along the story in Acts, Who starts the church? Peter. He was the rock who God said. And Peter gives his first sermon. And guess how many people were added to the church that day? 3,000. Because he knew who he was in Christ. Your worth does not come from the world. It comes from God. God says you are a new creation in Christ. The old has come and the new has begun. The old has gone and the new has come. You are a new creation in Christ. Now, in order for you to grasp God's love for us, Paul helps us out, and he writes this to the Ephesian church. Now, you might as well just say he's writing this to the Highlands Church today. It's the same thing. It's meant for all of us, for right now. And he says this. If you want, you can turn with me to Ephesians 3, chapter... um, I keep saying chapter. It's chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. (laughs) You can turn there with me. If not, we got it up there on the screen for you. And this is the verse they used at Hume Lake. Um, for our kids up there. And I thought it was just so appropriate because for teens, I think we, they struggle with this also, grasping how much Christ really loves them and their identity in Christ. And so this is how it goes. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all Lord's holy people or all the saints to grasp how wide, How long, how high, how deep, 
is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses all knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. You see, God's love is not so easily comprehended. We really do need some supernatural insight to understand the power of his love for each and every one of us. Now, how do we grasp a hold of that love? How do we do that? I'm, I wonder, I want to ask you here, could there be some roadblocks in our life that, are, that causes us to not reach out fully for that? I've, I've kind of broke it down into three parts today. Uh, the clogged hearts, wounded souls, entangled minds that prevent us from grasping his love for us and the love that we are to show others. Now, in the word of God, in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, it says this. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. When you cannot see your image reflected in the image of God, then therefore you cannot know who you are. You cannot receive his love. You're constantly trying to love. You're trying to love God, but you're so clogged. You're so clogged. Your your hearts are clogged, and and you've got some wounds in your soul, and you've got a tormented mind. And each of the, and what, what, what really needs to happen is we need to let God come in. We got to let God come in and begin to clean up ourselves. Let him in. So we're going to begin with one of the areas this morning. And the first one, we're going to look at all three areas. The first one is our hearts. Now for some of you, your spiritual heart muscle is weak. And I believe what begins to clog our heart muscle is unforgiveness and bitterness. Forgiving our enemies sets us free, you guys. It helps us to move along in our lives. Now, I wonder, I'm sure you've heard this saying, and it goes something like this. It's a little silly, but it's, it, it's got a point. Refusing to forgive is like drinking poison and hoping it kills the other person. So you're kind of like this. Gunk, gunk. Are they dead? Mm-hmm. Are they still there? What? No, they're still, ah. Oh. See, we are not the one hurting. We're not hurting the one who hurt us by us being angry at them. Sometimes, hello, the truth is they don't even know that we're angry with them. They're going on with their lives and we're like, drink, 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 drink. You know? And so the truth is by forgiving them, we are releasing them so God can do only what God can do. Now, let me just clear this up for a little bit for you because uh, yesterday we had a lady ask um, during our question and answer time at the end in our panel, well, Katie, you don't know what this person has done to me, and so how am I supposed to just forgive them? I mean, that just doesn't make sense. They really hurt me. And my response is this. God is a just God. He doesn't want you to carry it around. He wants you to be free. He doesn't want a bitter root to grow up in your heart and defile many what his word says. And that's what happens. When you hold on to unforgiveness and you hold on to bitterness, you cannot receive God's love fully in your heart for him because it's clogging it. And he says, let me in. Just let me in and let me do some heart surgery. And only God can do that, right? That's creating in our hearts no unnecessary clogs. I was, um, 
I don't know if a lot of you guys know uh, about this, but I'm going to share it with you this morning. When I was a little girl, I've always wanted to be a nurse. So I went to school, um, took an ROP class in high school, and I got my CNA. And I started working in a small nursing home in Roy Grandy, and I just loved it. I was like, I'm going to be a nurse, I'm going to be a nurse, yes, 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 yes. My mom's like, "Uh uh-huh. And then so um, so I did that, and then as soon as I graduated high school, um, before I was leaving for college, I I got a job in a nursing home in Atascadero, and I did that. They would put me, I, I think they see you coming when you're young like that. And so those ladies, I did the 11 to 7, 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. in the morning, and, and uh, they uh, said, you know, we're going to go on break, and you can handle the whole ward yourself, Katie. I'm like, are you kidding me? Okay. So I'd be responsible. Here I am, like 18. I don't care, right? I just wanted to do it. I wanted to love people and help them and everything. So I was running up and down that ward. You know, well, if you know me, I'm a little hyper. So I'm like running in there. Do you need anything? I can get you anything. I mean, I'm like, you know, running, running, running. And then it goes on and I go to college and then um, I end up in Fresno and I end up working for an ophthalmologist. And, and then during the night, I got a job at St. Agnes. It's a large hospital there. And I started working in the operating room. And um, one day we were going, it was probably like 9 p.m. or so, and we got an emergency where we had to do an emergency heart surgery. And so I walked in, and we were, uh, all of us nurses were scrubbing up to get ready to go in to, uh, to perform this heart surgery to help the surgeon and everything. We're, we're scrubbing. I'm like, so how long? And, and again, I'm still young. I'm like 20, early 20s. And all the nurses have been around quite a long time. And so I was like scrubbing with the other nurses in the sink, you know, getting all ready, sterile. And uh, they said, I go, so is it going to be like four hours? Are we going to be in her like four hours or what? What's going to be, you know? And, and they're, she is so young. <sighs> you know? <laughs> and I'm like, and no. And, uh, and she just says no. And they just didn't even tell me. So I just go in. I'm all happy, you know? And I go in the, um, there, and I'm just amazed. There's like machines everywhere in heart surgery. I mean, they, and there's heart surgeons and regular surgeons and anesthesiologists and several of us nurses, and we're all scrubbed in, and they begin to perform the surgery to clear out what had happened to this particular patient. Their arteries had begun to get clogged, leading to their heart, or in, in also in their heart. So they began, the surgeon opened up the patient and began to clear out those clogged heart. And it was so cool because I got a visualization of what it looks like. It was actually like arteriosclerosis built up inside of those arteries and it was, he cleaned it out and we repaired it and he put grafted it and everything. And I remember being in the surgery, you know, like four or five hours had gone by and, and those nurses were like, hee, 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 looking at me because I was like, whoa, whoa, I need to eat. Oh, you know? And it was just so amazing because I, for me, I was like, look at this. This, this man had lived this life that was doing, and, and maybe because, uh, I don't want to say forgiveness or, or bitterness clogged his heart with arteriosclerosis, but if you really think about it, stress over life can actually clog your heart and blah, blah, blah. But, um, <laughs> so, uh, but, um, but, so over time you saw that, and, then, and this didn't take... And here's the thing with unforgiveness. It didn't take the surgeon 30 minutes to go in there and just clean it up. It took 10 hours that night, 10 hours to repair a small place that he had built up arteriosclerosis. So let me tell you this. About forgiveness, it is easier for some and it is harder for others. And it takes time. It takes time to forgive. It takes time to heal. But God doesn't want you to carry that. He instructs us over and over and over again to release that 
because he loves us so much. Now, the next one we're moving on to is our soul muscle. Now, I, so is your, how is your soul muscle? Does it have some scars on it? Does it have wounds that people have wounded you? I've got some scars. We all have gotten, most of us, I'm sure, in this room have had some scars on our soul. But I was like, how do I visualize that? How do I tell them what does that look like? And so I was thinking, I'm like, okay, when in my life did I get some, you know, epidermis scars? <laughs> and so I was on my, uh, I, I bought this, I got this coolest bike ever. And it was like purple with purple tassels and like a banana seat. Remember the banana seats? Come on. Date yourself here. Okay, banana seats with uh, little, little tassels and everything. And I went around my, where I lived, and we had this huge hill. And I said, oh, I'm going to take that hill on my bike. So here I go, down the hill. And then I thought, oh, you know what would be really cool? Let go of the handlebars. <laughs> so I was down the hill, and I was flying down. I'm like, no hands! Woo! My hair is flying. Tassels are flying. Life is good. And then all of a sudden, boom, I hit a rock. And there I go, sliding down the rest of the hill, just Katie's flesh in the thing, <laughs> and just going down. And I remember walking into my, into my house, and my mom's like, what have you done now? I was just like, this bloody mess. And, uh, um, and over time, those little those, um, scabs were starting to itch. You know how scabs itch? Okay, and so you start itching at them and picking at them. Your mom's like, you need to knock it off because it's going to leave a scar. And you're like, I don't care, you know. And then before long, you've got some scars. Now, in your life, you're going to have some good scars and some bad scars. Like for me, I can look at my arm and see the scar from my bike, and I'm like, oh, ha-ha, I was just being a kid. But for some of you, those, some of those scars are memories that were not so good. Someone really, truly hurt you. And I'm here to say this. God says this. He says, I am a redeemer who can wipe away the sins of the past. God can heal you. He can restore you. And he redeems your soul. Now, we have had the privilege um, of hearing this great author speak. His name is Erwin McManus. And he is the pastor of Mosaic Church down in Southern California. And uh, he is just a fantastic gentleman. And he often speaks on soul. And his latest book, Soul Craving, I have a small portion here, and I'd like to read it to you today because uh, he, he, he explains it very well. You are a unique creation made by God to live and not simply exist. <clears throat> Your soul, it longs to find its ultimate purpose. It will not rest until you do. Your soul craves its destiny. Your soul desires. It always will. You were created as a creative being. You were made to grow, to dream, and to achieve. Your soul right now is letting you know you come from God. And your life, it's intended to be God-sized and God-inspired. Whatever wound that is in the past that has wounded you, know that God comes in and he says this. Your life is intended to be God-sized and God-inspired. He is your redeemer. He can heal. He can restore. 
Now, the last area we're going to look at today is our mind. Now, some of you might be saying to me, what? why our mind? What are, you, what are you talking about our mind? What do you need? I, can, I can sort of get you with the heart and the soul thing, but why the mind? And the thing with the mind is that our thoughts. Because we cannot really believe who God says we are if we continue to hear what the enemy wants to tell us. And see, the enemy's only purpose here, what the Word of God tells us, is to rob, kill, and destroy. And he loves to play a havoc on our minds, on our thoughts. He comes in and he says this, you're not valuable. You're not worthy. Look at all you've done in the past. You're never forgiven. You're really, you know, you're just dumb. You're lazy. You're not, you're not a good mom. You're not a good dad. You're not a good uh, anything. He just goes on and on. And he gets into our thoughts. And once we start believing that, then we've given, we've given the devil a foothold into our life. And what God says, he says, do not even give him a foothold. Don't let him, because those footholds turn into strongholds. And don't do it. And in 1 Peter 1.13, he instructs us this regarding our minds. He says this, Gird up your loins of your mind. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now for you, when I read this, I thought, Okay, I'm not sure what gird means, so I'm going to have to look it up. So I looked up the word gird, and it means this. In biblical times, both men and women wore these long skirt-like outfits, sort of like that. And in order for them to try to run in those type of clothings, they, there was a good chance that they would fall or stumble. So when they needed to move quickly, they would just gather up the material so they could run freely. When the Bible tells us this, to gird up our loins of our minds, I believe it means to get our mind off all those thoughts, off of all those negative thoughts that the devil tries to play havoc with us that cause you to stumble, get it? Because you're going to stumble, and run the race that God has set out for each and every one of you. He says that in Hebrews. He says, I have a race fixed. um, I have a race planned out for you. You need to fix your eyes forward. Don't listen to those thoughts. Don't listen to the past. Let forgiveness go, go. Let me redeem your soul. If we allow our minds to wander off the promises of God and let the enemy take over our thoughts, it's just like us running in these long skirts waiting to fall. And we're not going to do that. We're going to gird up our minds. There is this great, um, there's this great little thing. I, there it is. Words of wisdom. And I want to read it to you because it's kind of interesting. You read it from the front and then you see where it ends. So it goes like this. Watch your thoughts, for they become words. Watch your words, for they become actions. Watch your actions, because they become habits. Watch your habits, for they become character. 
Watch your character, for it becomes your destiny. Do you notice something here? From your thoughts travels down to who you are in Christ, your identity. So if your thoughts are saying you're not loved by God, you're not valuable, you're not worthy, you're useless, I could go on and on and on, and you believe it, your lifestyle will become it, and you will end up that. That will be your identity, but that is not what God says. Remember from the beginning, my question to you is this, who does God say you are? Now that you're able to clear out all those clogged areas of your heart, soul, and mind, and really grasp on, like Paul wrote to the Ephesians church, if you could just grasp on to the love that God, Christ has for you. And then what he says back to Peter, remember, Simon Peter, you're no longer Simon Peter. You're Peter upon, you're, you're, upon, uh, you're a rock on which upon I will build my church, Peter. Thank the Lord that Peter grasped onto that love. And he went out. 3,000 that day, the next day, Peter got busy and began healing people, and then more people came again to come to Christ. He grasped a hold of what it was. I'm sure Peter had unforgiveness, and his soul was wounded, and he had thoughts too. But Christ said, you are a new identity. You are a new creation in Christ. He had to give him a new name. So I believe that God is saying this to each of you today. He's saying this. You are loved. You are valuable. You are precious. You are talented. You are gifted. You are capable. You are powerful. You are wise. And last but not least, for sure, you are redeemed. You were purchased with a price on the cross of Calvary, each and every one of you. Now, I want you to do a really powerful thing with me here today, and forgive me before I even ask you, <laughs> but um, I believe in order for you to, um, to grasp it, to claim it, you have to speak it. So I want you to do a powerful thing with me today. I'm going to read over what I just read. And I would love for you to say it out loud, to own it, to speak it, of what Christ wants you, tells you who you are. Now, if you want, you don't have to say it out loud. You can say it to yourself. But remember, your words become your destiny. Your thoughts become your destiny. Here we go. I am loved. I am valuable. I am precious. I am talented. I am gifted. I am capable. I am powerful. I am wise. And I am redeemed. You are created in God's image. Each and every one of you are amazing. And he wants you to know and receive his love, to grasp a hold, Highlands Church, <laughs> how much he loves you, 
and how what destiny he has planned for you. And to protect your heart, protect your soul, protect your mind. And when you get in trouble, I forgot to share this with you. And before I end, I want to say this. If you have any doubts, go to God's word and read it out loud. Because I'll tell you what he says in here about you. That you are loved. You are valuable. And we all know that we are redeemed. It's the most powerful thing you can do. Thank you so much for letting me be here today with you.